Welcome to the podcast. This week we're going to be talking about strength training and how to get stronger as a runner. Depending on where you are in your run training, strength work might look really different for you. This is one of the things about being an athlete who trains a lot. Strength work needs to change throughout your season. It can't be a standard program that you might find on the internet. That is a very likely way to overtrain yourself, because if your heavy strength work ends up matching with your most intense running sessions, or if your volume of strength work goes up just as you're peaking your volume for your ultra, then you're very likely to end up with problems. As an athlete, you need to have a program that fits you and your schedule. Now, this isn't the first thing I've recorded on strength training. I will include a link to former podcast and guide I've created on this. This is a lot more about how to fit it into your schedule and actually use strength training to make you stronger, depending or regardless of where you are in your running program. Now, before we really get started, I want to say something about the Eliza Fletcher news. And if you don't want to hear a bunch of profanity, I will add a timestamp to the beginning of the podcast so you don't have to listen to me go on a tirade for the next minute or two. Basically, the news about Eliza Fletcher has me fairly shaken. I am friends with a lot of females. I am a coach to a lot of females. And the notion that this could happen to anyone at any time in any like in any situation is just terrible. I would also like to say that this is only the fault of the piece of shit who abducted and murdered a mother of two, a teacher, a part of our running community. It is unacceptable and to anybody who is making statements like, what was she wearing, or why was she out there at 4 a.m.? Because a lot of us go out there at 4 a.m., and it was fucking hot, and if that's the time you have to run, and it's hot, then maybe you go out in shorts at 4 a.m., because that's what fits your schedule. And I know when I say this, like, I, I know what I look like. I have never felt unsafe for being me. I've definitely felt unsafe out there training, but that's because of what I was doing. Someone didn't like me as a cyclist, so they tried to clip me with their car, or someone threw profanity at me because they didn't like me running with a shirt off, but it was never for who I am, and nobody should have to feel unsafe for who they are as a person. So let's please just try to take care of each other, just be kind, and have a little, you know, decency in a time like this when somebody has actually lost their life due to a type of harassment that happens to many people every fucking day. So please take care of yourself, and if you can, someone else too. And now let's get into the podcast where we talk about strength training. Thank you. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods.
All right, everybody, we are live. Today, we're going to be talking about strength training and how to get stronger. Uh, but first, I, well, some people like take the opportunity to hop on. I wanted to note a thing that I was talking about with someone today, where accountability is a very important part of your training. And sometimes you could have an accountability buddy. For example, you might have a coach who, to whom you're accountable. You might just have a friend or maybe your wife or husband always tells you to get the hell out the door. I love all of that. And accountability is very important. It is a fairly large part of my job. But one thing I notice, and not so much in this community to be clear, but just covering some bases. Accountability is not the same as babysitting. And when you are always relying on someone else to do the thing or to provide you the motivation to do whatever you're trying to do, that is not accountability as much as you're no longer taking any responsibility, right? So we're trying to make sure that we're still that driving force. We're still like that pushing action. And if you need someone else to whom you are accountable to find some support, that is great. I certainly need that. It is one of the reasons I post a lot of my training, because it keeps me honest. And it is one of the reasons that I talk to someone about like my knee injury, because I'm terrible when it comes to recovery. And it's why I track my food, um, because I'm also occasionally currently doing that right now while I'm in healing from my knee. Because again, I need something to which I need to be, to which I can be accountable. But I'm not always relying on someone dragging me out the door to do my training or to make my food or something else. And it's just not a sustainable relationship. And this is where I am more than happy to help someone by being like that accountability person. But it doesn't mean that you're going to check in on someone all the time. And I know most coaches and most friends and most people feel that way. They're more than happy to help you out, but you still have to like have some of that drive. Not saying we don't all have off days, but again, accountability and babysitting are not the same. So with that said, kind of a hard switch, but this is definitely a thing I was thinking about earlier and just wanted to, wanted to share that a little bit. Now, strength work, how to get stronger a lot of athletes talk to me about how they can get stronger or put on muscle. And first, those are not necessarily the same thing before we get into it. Those are related, but they're not necessarily the same thing. You can get stronger without adding a bunch of muscle mass. And if you put on muscle mass, you will get stronger, but not necessarily as strong as you would if you were specifically building like strength skills. For example, bodybuilders are very big people. They have very large muscles. And to say that they're not functional is insane. They absolutely are. They can pick up very heavy weight and they're very focused on that like mind muscle connection and how they like connect to the specific muscles in their body. But power lifters are stronger most of the time in Three very specific lifts, and this is the thing. When we look at strength, it is always in terms of what? If we look at Bruce Lee, he could hold a like kettlebell out like this with it pointing this way, 
I think it was like 50 pounds because he had such a strong grip and anterior shoulder. He wasn't a big dude, right? He was a fairly small human being, but he was very strong. There are a lot of gymnasts that are not very large, that they're very, very strong. Like holding an iron cross will get you very large biceps, but not as big as a bodybuilder's, but very strong biceps. So first, we should probably distinguish between strength and muscle mass. Muscle mass is just about training to tear your muscle fibers apart, um, make them bigger, create the bigger cross-section of your muscles, and strength has some of that as an aspect, but we also are creating a, like a better connection to a movement. One of the strong, best things you can do to get better at pull-ups is do one every day. Put a pull-up bar like in a doorway like that every time you walk under it, do one. If you can't do one, then set up a band and do a banded version of one, or like put a chair there and do a jackknife pull-up. You will get better at pull-ups very quickly. And that is partially because strength is a skill, right? And we know this from running, where if you start a run streak, you're probably doing too much training. You probably don't need to run every day. But running a mile every day, you're spending 10 minutes practicing this skill every day, will make you a lot better at the skill. And as such, you will get a lot better running. Now, if you, you know, run through broken hips or feet or whatever, then maybe your run streak is a little misguided. But if you're healthy and you put in a mile every day of like very slow, easy, healthy running where you're practicing that skill, that is a good thing that you could do to get better at this sport. Now, as we move into more of an off-season, like... I realize it's only September. A lot of athletes I'm training like still have races coming up, but we are moving into winter. It doesn't feel like it because it's a, it was 105 outside today, so it still very much feels like summer. But I know the calendar says fall. So for a lot of people, that is an off-season. And yes, I know there is very much a, like, there is no off-season mentality with some people, or we're calling it a transition season, or whatever. I, I don't care what you call it. If you, there is a difference where if we are going to use an off-season as training for our next running season and nothing else, then maybe we should think of it as a transition season. But you're more than welcome to take an off-season if you want one. You don't need to spend your entire year focusing on a single sport. Maybe running is all you do all year round, and if that's you, that's great. But maybe it's your summer sport and your winter is solidly like packed with schemo or backcountry or downhill or cross-country skiing or fat biking or whatever you want to do in the winter. And I think that's great. If you completely stop doing cardio for multiple months, you will lose a ton of progress. But for most of us, if you do a little bit of maintenance, you won't lose a ton. And that cardio certainly doesn't have to be running. Like a ton of European, like high level European runners just do schemo in the winter, which is <laughs> destructively cardiovascular, which is one of the reasons they come back so strong. They built this huge cardio engine with a different sport. A lot of people here do 
like in Utah, do skate skiing or cross-country skiing, or they'll do like normal alpine downhill, but they'll use the, they'll do the backcountry version, so they actually climb up the hill in order to go down. People do cycling. People do whatever. And is it, it's not a perfect crossover. If you are planning to come back to running, you should have a bit of overlap at the end of your ski season if it really matters to you to where you like build the skill back and get the work going. But it is certainly going to keep your cardio up. It is going to get you a different strength adaptation. And it is more than fine for 99% of us who don't, you know, try to make a paycheck off this. So off season is fine. I don't think we, you know, need to demonize that term. And I've always actually, well, since I got a ton of certifications, have viewed it as like a four season year. You have your in-season where you're working towards your sport. You have your post-season where once you're done, like, you need to return your body to some healthy state. You're not healthy after you've run an ultra. That's just the case. And your post-season might be a couple, might be two to three weeks. It might be a couple months, depending on how broken you are. But we need to recover your body to health before we move forward. And then your off-season can be, like, a little bit of maintenance of your primary skill, and then it can all just be like screwing off, honestly. It could also be working on things like strength and other skills that are not directly a thing you would tend to work in season. And then preseason is just where you get ready for season, which is typically like a week or two. It might be three if you took a significant amount off running and like getting your stride back. But viewing it as this like cyclical multi multi-season year process can help us have a bit of a framework and if most of our running season is in the summer great you might go through this process a few times a year where you have a big race you have a bit of a postseason you take an off season where you like work to build strength and then you start like seriously training again for for the work for your next race this is not a like 12 month process. This is just the cycle that we go through as athletes. Now, as runners, one of the best things you can really do in your off season is build strength. And a lot of people also ask me about things like weight loss and body composition. This is also the time for a great time for that. Partially because those two things help each other. If we're looking to build some strength, then we can build that metabolic foundation that will also help weight loss and or fat loss down the line, right? So we shouldn't really be pursuing a ton of muscle gain mid-season. You might get some in your legs based on how much hill work or whatever you're doing, but you're probably not going to build massive shoulders or a big back or something, whatever you might have theoretically looking for in season. It's just not going to be the best use of your time. And you're probably also not going to build bigger legs in season. They might get stronger, but you're probably not going to add much size to your legs because you're doing so much endurance work training for an ultra. So if we want either of those things, then this is a great thing to do in the off season. And same with body comp. If you want to lose some fat, let us build some muscle, increase the metabolism, and then we can go through a fairly short and very effective cut to drop some body fat you shouldn't be adding a ton of strength training like six weeks before your race. It just doesn't make sense. If you, have, if you haven't been doing strength training or any stimulus, we don't want to stack this new 
big stimulus right before we do something really hard. It's dumb and very well-intentioned most of the time where we find some knee pain or some hamstring issues or something and we just want to get a little stronger to keep ourselves healthy. But you're not going to build a bunch of strength in a month while also coming to your peak in training. We shouldn't even be peaking like our volume and intensity at the same time in that your biggest volume week, like your biggest long run week, should not also be the week where you do your most intense speed workout. We certainly should not also be adding a new difficult stimulus right before a race that is going to break us down even further before we go do something really hard. If you are struggling with some kind of lack of strength close to your race, we should be looking at mobility, PT, like physical therapy, physio style movements that might help you deal with a very specific issue. We can target some like higher rep, lower weight work that might build you out, but we're not going to be looking to put on a ton of muscle within the last couple months of your race prep. Most of your in-season strength should probably be oriented mostly towards maintenance. And if you are really trying to build cardio and muscle at the same time, then timing matters a lot. Two-a-days are near necessary, and we know this, and we've known this for a long time. And that is not true for maintenance or some like that strength work where you're not trying to put on a bunch of muscle mass. But if you're looking to add muscle, then we need to have at least a couple hours of separation from our cardio work and our strength work. So this is just becomes very impractical in season when we already have so much running to do, right? So if we're looking at the way you could do this, if you had nothing else to do, would be run in your morning, recover, eat some food, 12 hours later, do strength work. This is how high-level CrossFit athletes train. And they do a bunch of, they do their cardio in the morning and then their strength in the evening and or vice versa. But there is a good at least three, typically six to 12 hour gap between their training, and that is how they can make progress in both. And they would still make more progress in either if they cycled them. That's not how that sport works. So if you're stacking these things together, you can do a lot of strength maintenance, or you might build some this like pure central nervous system adaptation towards strength, but you're not going to add a bunch of muscle. If we're looking at adding muscle, what matters is volume. There's a bunch of things that we can talk about as like how to measure strength training, be it time under tension or time under the bar, but really it's just volume. You need to lift enough weight enough times to get you there. So if we talk like the amount of weight multiplied by the amount of reps multiplied by the amount of sets, it's a very basic thing for volume. And if we just looked at that over the course of a week, what is your weekly volume? It doesn't really matter how that's split up, just like you've heard me talk about calories. If we're looking at fat loss or weight gain, then it doesn't matter if you have 3,000 calories all at night or if they are spread out throughout your day. It is basically the same. 
to your body. Yes, there's a little bit of like chrononutrition, time, time restricted feeding stuff, but it is such a, a small thing compared to the overall. And same here. If we're looking at the biggest thing when it comes to adding muscle and strength, it will be volume. So if we're talking about training, let's just talk about an hour because it's easier. Probably take you one to two hours per week. That could be two one hour sessions or you could do 15 to 20 minutes a day. And either of those are going to get you very similar results if you pick the right workouts or right exercises for them. You don't need to go and do this big one hour gym session. If you like it, that's great. If that actually fits into your schedule better. That's great. For me, I've been playing with shorter, more intermittent 15 to 20 minute style training sessions because I work at a gym and sometimes somebody doesn't show up to their session. So I have half an hour block. I do some programming and then I will go get in 10 minutes of work. And that has been working very well for me lately. If you have any gym equipment in your house, this is another thing you could do. We can fit this into your day however you want to do, to do it, right? Now, most people don't need more work. They need better work. And 15 to 20 minutes often pushes that because you will have a lot of energy <laughs> every day to do the work, like to do the better movements, right? So... I am starting to really appreciate this style of training. It is kind of what I used to do forever ago with more body weight work. And now I'm finding it again with heavier weights. And I'm enjoying it a lot. Now, there's, there's this debate I've been seeing amongst different coaches of does low weight training work? And I don't think I have been particularly helpful in this endeavor because, yes, it works it's just not that efficient, right? We have efficient versus effective. And what comes down to like strength and muscle gain is volume. If you do a bunch of volume, then you will get stronger and add muscle. It doesn't really matter how you make that happen. But if you lifted a, if you lifted a one pound dumbbell enough times, you would eventually find like failure and fatigue and burnout and that will eventually get you stronger. It is effective. It's just not efficient. It might be perfectly efficient for like a lateral shoulder raise. This is a very like low strength movement that most people should be doing with five to 10 pounds. And that will do a perfectly good job to target the side of your shoulder. One pound is not efficient for a deadlift. If I can do like sets of 10 reps at 225 on a deadlift and we know that volume matters, I would need to do like 2000 reps with a one pound weight with a similar amount of form and focus. And while that, that scaling might not be completely true because nobody is going to test that ever, it is probably closer to true than not. And it's just not efficient to do it with that low weight. So I'm not saying you need to do heavy work. I'm saying it needs to be difficult. Where I know I will program some for some people and it says something like 10 to 15 reps at, of this exercise and talk about like a big paragraph at the top of a training program of like what 
intensity we're trying to find and what fatigue means and what failure means and all these things. And we are determining what we're targeting. And then we'll talk a little bit later and ask like, well, how did that go? It's fine. I knocked out 15 reps. Was it difficult? Not really. It felt pretty easy. Well, then we didn't go heavy enough or we need to find a harder movement. And again, you don't need to use heavy weights for this. It just needs to be hard. When I was originally getting strong, I didn't touch weights for years. I did kettlebell swings, but that was actually more my cardio. I didn't do, I didn't do loaded back squats. I didn't do loaded deadlifts. I didn't do bench presses for years. I just targeted different versions of body weight work. And when that came to squats, I worked towards a like loaded pistol squat where for years I did body weight squats and then different versions of body weight squats and then eventually like single leg squats. And we can make these movements harder without needing to add a ton of weight, but that doesn't mean they should be easy. They need to be difficult. Now, another issue I often see when it comes to lifting is that we'll just skip it in this sport. And that is, I think, partially because there's so much to do, partially because of a lack of prioritization. And then I think it also just comes down to people not liking to do the things they're not great at or that they don't like to do. A lot of people here became runners because they're fairly, they're decent at running and they like running. Whereas they might, you might not be great at lifting and that's okay. You don't have to be. And you probably don't like lifting or else you do a lot more of it. And that's fine. You don't need to do a ton of it. But like I said a couple weeks ago, if you don't change your strategy, then you're not going to change your results. And I mean very much the fundamentals of your strategy. Orange Theory and Body Pump and F45 and all of these things are not different. They're the same. You might like your particular location or gym or whatever better. You might like their style better, but it is very much lower weight, high intensity work. Great. Now, I'm also not saying the difference between like lifting five reps versus 10 reps. Those are also functionally the same. We mean lift like lifting or like strength training versus not strength training. Taking your easy runs easy versus not taking your easy runs easy. Actually doing speed work versus not doing speed work. If you need, if you're trying to make progress, we need to change something. And that might be doing something you don't like. I once saw a video of Jordan Syatt saying, not everyone is going to like going to the gym. He very much targets fat loss clients, right? He was specifically discussing fat loss here. And if you're going to target fat loss, then you probably need to increase your cardio. That is not applicable to like anybody watching this, I promise you. But for most people, if you're going to target fat loss, then you probably need to increase your cardio from just sitting around most of your day. And you might never like doing it, and that is fine. But if you want to be healthier, then we need to do some cardio. And if you hate all of it, then you need to find the thing you hate the least. And sometimes that's the best you can do. And that is very true as well for runners when it comes to strength training. And I know some people love lifting. Like most, Many of you have heard David Terry and I like geek out for a minute about it. I talk to a lot of runners who really do like lifting. If that's you, that's great. But for, you might need to do it less. <laughs> I've learned that I've had to do it a lot less as I get better at running. 
But for those who don't, we need to find some kind of compromise that allows you to target difficult strength training in a way that works. And this is true across the board, right? If you are, we always need to find this compromise. And sometimes it's the thing you like a little bit. And sometimes just the thing you hate the least. And sometimes that's food. I've had people tell me, like, I drink 12 beers a day and I want to lose fat. And, like, you don't want it badly enough or we, you need help. One of the two, right? Like, there's, there's a thing there. Sometimes it's cardio. I want to be healthier, but I don't have 10 minutes a day to walk, take a walk. You do. You just don't want to do it. And then for runners, I often see this for strength. I want to get stronger and get rid of my injuries and get better up hills, but I just can't do my strength training. And you can, you just don't want to. And that's okay, but we need to be honest with yourself about how badly you want your end goal that this is working towards. And then figure out the thing you hate the least that's still effective and efficient. Now, I recognize that one big issue is also analysis paralysis. And this is huge across the board for all training and everything. We need to stop getting caught up on the details of new, new stuff. Because what will definitely not make you stronger is doing nothing. And what has a chance of making you stronger is doing something. And we know this when it comes to running. If you're talking to a friend who's never run and you tell them you run 50 miles and they're like, I can never do that. It's like, yeah, you can. You just got to get out the door. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be this perfect plan. It doesn't need to be completely well designed. You just need to get started. And that is very true when it comes to strength as well. Granted, if you're going to go try to load up 300 pounds on a barbell and squat it, then that's just stupid. You're going to get hurt. But we can find some very effective movements that work for you that are pretty easy to achieve for most people that are going to help you get stronger. It doesn't need to be perfect. So I'm personally a fan of thinking for most people in terms of like movement patterns instead of muscles, right? So instead of thinking about your hamstring, let's think about a hinge where you just bend over at the waist, like push your weight back into your heels. And that is, that is a hinge. This is a hip dominant movement. If you do it correctly, you will find a stretch in your hamstring and your glutes and then coming back to top, you can use that to come back to top. That is what a deadlift is. This is what a Romanian deadlift is. This is a single leg deadlift. Notice that term comes up a lot. We'll also see this on the ground, hip bridges, hip thrusters, any of these. These are movements that will help your butt and your hamstrings get stronger. Now, front of our legs, squats, do squats. Your knees and your hips are gonna bend at the same time. And when you come back to top, your quads will engage and you will get the front of your legs stronger. You'll also get your shins and your calves and your feet a lot stronger as well. Now, we're looking for upper body. There's pushing movements and we can think pushing straight away from you, like push up or bench press. That'll work your chest and your triceps and some of the front of your shoulder. And there's pushing above you, which will work primarily your shoulder, but also secondarily your chest and your triceps and all sorts of things right? And then pulling movements. And that can be pulling horizontally or towards you like a row, or um, we can do band pulls, we can do T-bar rows, we can do seated rows, we can do bent over rows, but pulling things towards you, or pulling vertically, pulling down, like a pull-up. It's our standard thing, but we can also do lat pull-downs and 
banded lat pullovers and all sorts of stuff, right? So if we're looking at movements that you're going to hit, it's going to be hinge, squat, push, pull. And if you hit those movements weekly, you'll get better. You'll get a little stronger. We can do a little, once we start to like hit that pretty well, we can dive a little deeper. But that's a really good starting point. It's four movements a week, and it will get you stronger. You need to find something that is safe for you, is well-directed, and like, if you don't know what you're doing, I highly recommend you like hire someone to watch you do it. <laughs> Just make sure you're doing okay. Like find a trainer that will look at your form and watch you do it. If you're welcome, if you want to do it on video, message me, I'll do it now, right? Like I'm absolutely happy to watch you do a deadlift and tell you why you can't find it where you're supposed to. Finally, when we're picking some of these movements, we need to ask why we're targeting them and be honest with yourself. Are you doing strength training to become a stronger, better runner or because you want a six pack? And those things are different targets. Abs are a very easy example here, but this applies to everything. I'm going to use abs as an example because it's easy. It's pretty easy. And then I'll throw in a couple others at the end. So if you want to build a midsection or a core that is good for running, we will do things like squat, deadlift, push, pull, because your core engages firmly when you do those things. We will do loaded carries. I will have you pick things up and carry them because your core engages completely 360 degrees as you do that. We might end up doing some anti-rotation movements. I am a huge fan of a pull-off press, all this stuff. But none of that is going to really build you a six-pack. If you want a six-pack, you need to flex your spine using your abdominals, meaning you bring the bottom of your rib cage and the top of your pelvis together, you squeezing your abs, and then apart, and then together and apart. And we're going to try to do that in a way that's difficult, etc., like we do everything else. I will rarely have someone do crunches for running unless they're looking to also get some physique development. I will sometimes, actually fairly often, have people do reverse crunches because a lot of runners have lost connection to their lower abs and that's why we feel pain in our spine or in our back. But if we're looking to build that six pack, eight pack, we need to do a lot more abdominal flexion or spinal flexion using our abdomen. And this is just one example. Every program I've ever written for a runner has bicep and tricep work in it as optional, and most people take it as optional because it's not a target. It's there in case you want it. You don't need to do it. And this is kind of across the board, right? We need to know why we're doing things. You're, you'll never see me program a lateral race in season for a runner. Um, it's just not how we work, right? So why are you doing strength training? What do you really want to get out of it? Be honest with yourself. You can do both. We can target these things in off-season. You will hear me targeting a lot more specific strength movements and trying to change some things about my physique in my, in my off-season from running, but not now. And if you're still in season, probably not now for you either. In the next week or so, I will be releasing some new strength programs for runners. And, oh, one last thing before I forget. Um, when we talk about movement patterns versus muscles, 
there is an exception to that that like just floated to the top of my brain. If you have a specific notable muscle weakness and or deficiency, this is where we might target something specific. So if I know someone, if I have access to a full gym and I know someone has big struggles with their hamstrings where they can't connect to them, and this is causing a lot of like knee pain or drive up a mountain and we're looking, you know, for support through our legs, then this might be where I do a hamstring curl machine or we're going to do like these floor sliders, which I've described in the past. These are not necessarily your best motion for runners. You're going to get more out of a deadlift. But if you're lacking on that posterior chain, they can be great. Same thing for glute development. I like hip thrusters a lot for glute development. I do a good amount of them because my glute max is pretty weak. So we need to like figure out if you have a deficiency, then we need to target that. And that might involve some like isolation movements beyond what we're talking about from a like push-pull hinge squat pattern. Now, as I was about to say, in the next week or so, I'll be releasing some new strength programs for runners. If you're impatient and you don't have it yet, there's always my strength guide that I released months ago. It has a good two-day program in it. I will put that in the show notes of the podcast. And if you want that and you're watching this on in the Facebook group, just drop a comment or respond to my comment that I'm going to pin at the top. These programs will be, there's going to be a few. There's going to be body weight. There's going to be something with a suspension trainer, like a TRX. There might be some kind of band and there'll be a weight program. And there will be multiple options of ways to put them together. I doubt it's going to be pretty. And it's probably going to be a bunch of documents can be very effective. And if you're interested, keep an eye out. Um, if you're not, no worries. But I will put the link to what I already have in the show notes. And if you're interested, pop in the Facebook group and keep an eye out. And the programs will be up pretty soon. Anyway, if you have any questions, pop them in really fast. Otherwise, I'm going to go get some food. I hope you all had a really good Tuesday. And thank you all for those of you who stuck around and listened to me chatter on about strength for 35 minutes and I will talk with you next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, Please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.